Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Praxis Pedagogy Podcast. This is episode 26, and we are so happy to have you back. This is the third episode that I've sat down with Chad and Sally to discuss trades pedagogy and all things associated with those things. This is another fun, jam-packed episode for you. So again, at uh, minute 23 and about minute 43, I add in a little sting. So don't be confused. Don't be surprised. Don't be distracted. There's more to come. So anyway, uh, check in with us at praxispedagogy.com and you can pick up the show notes there as well as any archived episodes. You can find them there. Obviously, we're on your favorite podcast platform, but we're also on other ones as well. So Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, those ones were there too. Uh, Check in, let us know what you think, what you like, what you want some more of. We'd be happy to hear from you. Hey, thanks for being here, for taking the time. We really appreciate it. Hope there's uh, lots here for you to feast on, if you know what I mean. Anyway, take care and uh, we'll catch you on the other side. Three, two, one. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Praxis Pedagogy Podcast. We're doing the FM version this morning. This is uh, P3, as Chad would affectionately call it, right? This is episode 26, the third in a series of three, which makes sense because if it's a series of three and this is the last one, that would be the third one, if I do my math correctly. Anyway, hey, 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 how are we doing? All righty. How are you? <laughs> All righty. <laughs> I'm doing awesome. Hey, we're getting some good feedback on our show. That's cool. Yeah, that's been why well, I've been giving good feedback because I listened to it afterwards and I was just, I thought it was so much fun to listen to. And usually I don't like listening to myself talk. It's nice having the other people talk. There you go. Well, you know, just, just to set the record straight, we are getting feedback from other people besides us three. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, that's always oh, a good. good sign. That's always yeah. good. So uh, for those of you that are listening, thank you for your feedback. We appreciate it. We are listening to you. And uh, this has been good. It's been fun. We're going to have to keep doing this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Okay, good. Okay, so this this morning's episode, I'm going to try my best to make sure we go in a series of three. Okay. <laughs> lots yeah. of pressure. No, lots of pressure. That's okay. So this morning we or this morning, yeah. So for those of you listening, we record in the morning. So this morning, uh, we want to talk about authentic learning environments. And if we have time, <laughs> Chad, if we have time, we'll talk a little bit about digital care in our pedagogy or pedagogy of care, mm-hmm. right? And then mm-hmm. at the end, I, I thought this would be a good idea for us to put at the end of the podcast is to and this is in response to some feedback we've gotten, which I think is is, is important uh, to offer some praxis points. Praxis meaning practice. Offer some praxis points, some praxis steps to build into our courses or our teaching and learning today. Stuff that we can start implementing today. So um, no pressure there either. But uh, mm-hmm. anyway, authentic learning. Ready? Go. Define it for me. Tell me what it's all about. Okay. <laughs> Who's hopping in? You can hop in on this one, Sally, and I'll, <laughs> being, being. I'll provide the color. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so to me, authentic learning environments, uh, learning environments that, um, that represent real life, like real life practice. So it reminds me of um, Leif and Wenger's idea around communities of practice when, when they speak about the traditional apprenticeship system and the apprentice is fully immersed in that, you know, that place of practice. And they speak about how um, the learning is that the person, complete novice, doesn't start learning in, say, a linear way where, mm-hmm. you know, if they're going to be a tailor, this is an example they give, they don't start them with the pattern and cutting out the fabric. They actually start them with these you know, working in with the finished garments. And um, so, yeah, it's this way that things happen in real life. Mm-hmm. So I think about that with quite a lot of air trades programs. And I think, um, you know, auto, I know you have live shops over there at 
um, BCIT, we do at BIU as well, where customers are bringing in their their um, their vehicles and they're bringing them in. They're interacting with the students. They're telling them the problems with the vehicles, and you know. The students are required to diagnose real life situations. They're taking mm. on that responsibility. So I think that when we take learning and we put it into a square box, which we call a classroom, mm -hmm. it's so deconstructed from real life practice. So the more we can, I believe, like bridge between the traditional apprenticeship system where let's be honest, you spent years sweeping floors or being the runner or getting lunches, making coffee. And then after <laughs> about five years, you know, you're like, you've taken the long way to learning this trade. We don't want to go back to, I don't believe a hundred percent sort of the apprenticeship model, mm -hmm. but we definitely want to find this place, which I think is where we're really talking about those authentic learning environments that sit in the middle between the traditional classroom and, and that's the short version. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I for me, like, and I totally agree that you don't want to go back to the way it was back in the day where you, you know, you were just the runner and the, the gopher. And then finally, when you actually got your journey person status is when you started actually doing the learning. But, and then we, now the system is you go to school for a certain amount of weeks and then you work for a certain amount of weeks per year. And that's your training. Mm -hmm. What I'd love to see with our authentic learning environments is if we can somehow link the theory to the practical, because there's so often right. that our outcomes and our, are they, they're completely out to lunch. Like, why do I need to know that as I hear a lot? And then sometimes my answer is, I don't know. I, it's part <laughs> of the outline. I'm sorry, but we have to, you're going to be assessed on it. And no, this, this technology isn't there anymore. You're right. No, we're not using incandescent light bulbs. We're using LEDs. And yeah. no, we don't teach you about LEDs, but yeah, we spend a week teaching you about an incandescent bulb, but I'm sorry. That's what the ITA outline says. Yeah. So it's, if we could somehow when we design, and this is especially right now where we're starting to move more into the online environments, how do we do all this in an online environment, right? How do we make those links between theory and um, practical, which is what we need to be doing anyways. See, and yeah. I, think, I think that's a really good point, um, Chad, like you brought in there in the online environment, um, you know, some people may look at this and just go, oh, no, this is taking us even further away from the authentic learning environment. And to me, it, you know, and, I, and I, I think you guys are going to agree with this. I think it brings us closer because it, I remember reading many years ago about um, when Fort Mac was in full swing, the welding um, apprentices were not able to leave their place work. They were just too busy, mm -hmm. but yeah. they wanted to get, continue to get their tickets. And I forget who it was, but all credit to this person at Red River College, they came up with um, an idea that, that the apprentices could continue their education out there in the field using GoPros. Mm, and I right. think that was, honestly, I think that was about 12 years ago or longer. And I kept that idea in the back of my mind. And then a couple of years ago or three years ago, when we were approached by the ITA to put hairstylist level two online, mm. I mean, I just leapt on it. I had been waiting for this moment. And sure enough, there's a really good example of authentic learning environment. So the students were 100% online. So the course was designed so that the learner was self-directed and could work their way through this course, understanding the purpose of each of the activities and what they were required to do. So all of their practical work was actually performed in their place of work on mm -hmm. their living clients. And it was recorded using, I mean, they just used their smartphones um, and they, they, not only did they, um, you know, provide the, the, their technical skill, the skills with technology improved for sure from when they first started. But what we found as well was the quality of the work that they submitted was so different than we ever saw in the teaching salon where there's an instructor present. 
where the instructor is present and you're always like, you know, the instructor's going to get in there and go through and maybe tidy things up. Well, when those students were submitting these videos of their own work, they would tell us, I went back in, I went back in three or four times because now oh, they could watch yeah, yeah. their hand position. They could watch mm. the angle of the, you know, the, the tools in relation to the head position. Yeah. To me, technology is, provides us with that, that conduit between education and the authentic learning environment. We just need to like recognize that and have the time and, 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 you know, the skills as well. And I think the skills have to be somewhat with technology, but mainly we come back to this whole thing again of really understanding um, curriculum design mm -hmm. so that your, your online um, course is designed in a way that it is it's not dependent on the presence of the instructor. I love that. I love the asynchronous model. I think like having our students self-direct them and being there to facilitate or guide, or even to be there to provide some sort of accountability as an instructor would be excellent. I, I love, love, love what you did with the, um, the videos feedback with your students, with the online. And you would think hairdressing, there's no way you can do that online, right? You think it's all hands on. You'd have to have somebody there, but you, you broke the mold, Sally, and you, you said you saw this model in Fort McMurray and then you said, why can't we do that? Why aren't other trades doing this? And it's yeah. used to be like, okay, oh, we, not everybody can afford a GoPro, but everybody's got one of these and I'm holding up a cell phone now. Yeah. So every, every student, I don't care if your students are un, underprivileged and don't have laptops. And we, we hear about that a lot. Every survey that's out there says that I think the majority of all students out there, especially in trades have access to a cell phone, right? So they can yeah. provide their own video feedback. Mm -hmm. And so how do we design these things now for all these different trades? We need to yeah. start, and that gets back to our whole thing that we talked about last week. We need to design it. Yeah. And I, and I think that's the piece where, you know, educate educational developers in from the trades with trades mindsets are required at this point to see these opportunities because I actually met with an articulation group yesterday to talk about engaging students online. And this particular group of um, trades instructors in the province have been teaching their students what they were referring to as online. They've been doing this since, I think, March 23rd. They are absolutely exhausted beyond belief. They're doing a mm -hmm. fabulous job. They turned around and they, they recreated their classrooms via Zoom. And you know what? Good for them because that was a huge leap at the time, but it's not sustainable. And also, it does imply that the learner is passive. Like what mm -hmm. they were saying is my learner is in Zoom for three hours a day, which we know is brutal anyway, but they are working for 12 hours a day to prepare everything for these three hours because they are having to, you know, do all of their video recordings, do all of this. So they're still, um, they're still relying on the fact that they are the people that they have to be present in order for learning to happen. And I think once we shift that mindset by designing the course so that the learner is doing the learning, um, because, you know, this, brings us back to constructivism, the learners doing the learning, we create those environments where that learning happens. And we need to do that. So especially in, in the LMS, so it's progressive mm -hmm. because if the next step that you've created, whether it be a discussion forum or whether it be assignment, if it's just on the same level as the one before, Students see that as busy work. Yep. They have to see clearly where you're progressing to. And those problems have to always be, oh, I'm going to get a Vygotsky stab in here. Um, <laughs> nice. Of course, of course. <laughs> Little um, V. That, yes, yeah, good old Lev. Um, <laughs> that zone of proximal development so that it is always leading that student because the next thing they're asked to do is something that they cannot do without thinking about it and you're going to provide the environment and the resources or whether they are, you know, in multiple modalities as such, you know, whatever those resources are. But I believe that students 
to be self-directed online need to have problems placed strategically that they are, they are built, you know, working to solve. And I think to add to that, and I got a, a nice little buzzword here, Tim, this is going to be for the show notes is I think the, um, instructors feel overwhelmed. I can't, I don't have time to build PowerPoints. I don't have time yeah. to do this. I don't have time to record all this stuff. And I don't even know how to use this video thing, but the nice thing, and this is going back to what you said before we went online, Sally is there's so many resources out there that what our job needs to be as instructors now is to not to create, but to curate. And what, so there's your buzzword, Tim, is the <laughs> fact that we can, uh, we can go out and we can gather, right? We can see what else is out there. There is open educational resources, OER, that is being developed for trades. And instead of us having to build all these videos and go and record all our PowerPoints, let's go out there and look to see what already has been built. And then we build these things and we, we start designing the curriculum based off that. And like you said, so often, and I'm, I'm very guilty of this, is I love being in front of a class. I love lecturing. I love having my students there. But that, that doesn't necessarily have to be the way it is. And in this online environment, it shouldn't be that way. Right? We can't, I can't lecture for three hours anymore. So what I need to do is design my learning environment for them. So they have to do some of the heavy lifting now. Before I did all the heavy lifting, I provided the notes. I provided the examples. I'd walk through everything. But that, I was almost holding their hands a little too much. I wasn't teaching them how to learn. So in this instance, by making my students, okay, here's what I've done is in my course I've designed, I've got a checklist that our LMS provides and I have four points and they're read, watch, do, and show. And so under read, I've got all the readings that are for that unit under watch. I've got all the videos and then under do I've got worksheets and online interactive stuff like Quizlets and Kahoots and all that. And then show is a quiz. So every single unit is based off of that. So the students can go through these checklists. They can do their readings, check it off. So they see something. I see that they've done it and away they go. And then they, when they get to the do, then they can start practicing. So, mm -hmm. and that, not to take away that our students, um, they need us, they need to see our presence. And so we do have that, but we don't need to be on there for three hours talking at them. We could be on there for a couple hours talking with them. Yeah, I agree totally. And I'd even push it further to say that we could be on there just for an hour, a really yeah. valuable yeah. hour. Mm -hmm. um, and like you say, you've got that structure to your LMS. And I think this is essential. Like, I think it's essential to have a sequence that continues throughout your program. And I think, you know, if we mirror what we did in the classroom, because like Chad, you've just said, you know, you love being in front of students. And I think that all of us, you know, do really like that environment. We, you know, and that's what makes us, you know, great instructors. And the instructors that I was talking to yesterday, exactly the same, came, that I heard the same from them, that they're missing these opportunities. And so I think with the idea of that sequencing on the LMS system, we can also, when we've got the readings there, we can also introduce those readings in the same way as we would do in the class. So we're setting these readings, but let's talk to the students about how this relates yes. to the real world. So you have a preamble in front of there, you know, as a, a, an, a an electrician in industry, you are going to be required to diagnose whatever that might be. So now you've said that you've given leaders in there. And so when that student's doing the reading now afterwards, maybe the discussion format for a forum is recommend a solution to, you know, you've diagnosed now recommend a solution to this problem. And so again, you're really, you know, you're, building a level that they're not yet at, but they know why they're doing the reading. And I think your point about, you know, we do need to bring them together. We do need to recognize that we have outcomes in our programs other than the ITA program outlines. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. socialization is very important. When um, they work in industry, they're going to work in teams, they need to collaborate. And so we need to create those environments. And I think that's what we, we recognize that our outcome for the one, the one hour Zoom session, for example, wouldn't be to, you know, um, 
do, provide a review of the reading or provide a review of what's been going on during the, the, you know, prior to that session, it would be to provide those opportunities for the students to collaborate and, and to listen to you, you know, to, to facilitate, to probe with different questions and that kind of stuff. But again, it's about coming together for an hour and solving, you know, specific problems. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I, I think, and that's, I mean, that's the dance that we're trying to do here is what I, and I've got, I just made some notes is like, and you said this too, when we're like, I do love being in front of a classroom and that is what made, made me a good teacher, but I think it made me a great performer. Like I was really good at performing the, the stuff that I had. It didn't necessarily make me a great educator. I mean, I, I love to teach and I do love to watch those, like the actual magic happens when you're after I'm done my little performance, I can go down alongside and work with the students one-on-one -on -one and see the little light bulb moments as they start to mm -hmm. grasp the knowledge. So I need to kind of for myself, preaching at myself here is I need to step out of the performer role and more into an educator role and a designer. And so like, designer, and we, like yeah. you said, I think last week, too, yeah. And like you said last week, curriculum, curriculum is not the textbook. Curriculum is not just the modules that we're given. It's so much more. There's so much broader than that. And educators need to realize that it's not just the textbook. Mm -hmm. It's the, it's the student journey. The curriculum yes. is the, is the student journey. And you know what I love? <laughs> I bet Tim's thinking any minute now they'll take a breath and I'll get a word <laughs> in here. But I don't know, Tim, I don't know. We're on a bit of a roll here. No, you keep um, going. This is one big soapbox right here. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned the entertainer piece and, and you know, I, I love that you mentioned that because actually this was something we talked about um, in, in the articulation with the articulation group yesterday. Remember that when we all did our, um, you know, provincial instructors diploma, which I have to say was just the absolute foundation of my teaching career. Yeah. And I'm so mm -hmm. grateful for that opportunity. Agreed. But one of the key elements of that design is that you start a new topic with this hook. And the idea of this hook is you find something very entertaining that triggers emotions that, you know, will engage the learner. And so we talked about this and, and my, my key purpose of mentioning this is it teaches us as new instructors to think that we're kind of having to entertain and the more entertaining we are, the better our students like us, the more they enjoy their cl our classes, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And I said, but it implies that the learner is passive. So we study adult mm -hmm. education and we, but every, every adult education edu, educator that you meet will tell you that the difference between, you know, adults and younger students is that adults bring with them this life experience. So we know that. And yet the first thing we do is sit them down and assume that they're passive by hooking them in with this bit of entertainment. And I think when we switch that around, that when we recognize that they are capable people that want to learn, we don't need to entertain them. They no. signed up for this course, they're dedicating, whether it's 10 months or however months it is, because they want to learn. And we recognize their intellectual ability. So the first thing we do is give them a problem. And it's got to be a problem at a novice level. That's how we engage our learners. Not, you know, I'm talking about in the online environment, but I'm actually talking about, you know, in face-to-face, -face, in synchronous time as well, that, um, you know, we need to, they need to have a problem because anytime they're solving a problem, even if they don't know the essential theory behind it, this is critical thinking. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And that gets into like the, and then you can get them into that flow state, right? That Mikhail Chikinsky talks about where if once they start getting into that, that problem and they kind of lock in, they can really learn. And that's when they've got that problem and they've got, and they've been working collaboration with their fellow students is this moment suddenly comes like time flies for them and they've locked in and next thing they know the day's over, but they've learned so much. Yeah, so, totally. And I know Chad, you do lots of that, the team-based learning, the group work learning, where you actually give the students the problem. 
So you mm. don't give them the lecture first or the reading, you give them the problem and then you allow them to go. And I think this, this is this whole piece that's right there at the heart of adult education. And yet when we get in there and, and um, we just don't take on that role, you mm. know. Well, it's uncomfortable. I'll tell you that, like, even as I'm designing for this, and trying to create my problem sets like I did in a face-to-face class, it scares the crap out of me to do it online because I'm not sure how this is all going to work. I've never taught a fully online course like this before. So to have my students, because what I would do is create slide decks that just had headings, right? And then Mm -hmm. expect my students to fill in the information. And that worked because I could get them into pods and classrooms and I could walk around and answer the questions. But now I've got to figure out a way to put them into Zoom breakout rooms. And then I still can like hop from room to room. Right. Yeah. But for yeah. them, it's going to be different because they don't like, they're all laughing and joking. And that was part of the fun of it is, you know, you you watch them go off track and then you kind of sl- slightly guide them back on track. I'm yeah. hoping to create that environment online. And that's, yeah. I think where we get to like what Tim, what you got called up here. And we, we talk about those, like the different type of presences you need in online education. You have to have that cognitive presence. You have to have a teaching presence, but you also have to have a social presence. Mm-hmm. And so Mixing those three, I think, is where the challenge is going to be, which is exciting and scary. Then it takes us away from control. I don't have control of my class anymore. I used to be able to stand up in front of my class. I'd you know, put up awesome notes and tell great jokes and we'd all laugh and they'd learn and I'd give worksheets and I'd sit down and wait for them to come talk to me. But that's gone. And so I, I don't have that control anymore. Yeah. And I wouldn't say it's honestly, honestly, Tim, I, I will let you speak after this. It's going to be the last thing. <laughs> Tim's given up. He's just put his head in his hands. He's like, no, don't believe you. So Chad, I'm going to, I'm going to suggest you haven't lost that. I'm just going to suggest that it's going to, it, 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 all of those strengths that you had in the classroom are going to come through in that online learning platform. It just needs to be very strategically um, um, like sequenced Mm -hmm. throughout the, whether you do it in a week module, whether you do it in days or however you do it. And I think if it's almost like if you could have, you know, watched yourself teaching and, you know, actually deconstructed that and then take that and realize, oh yeah, I would present this problem then I'd have these slides and then the groups would work on this. It's like creating that again in the online environment. Yeah. And I feel really confident that, I mean, any of us that teach fully online for the first time, we learn an awful lot in the first three weeks. Oof. And yeah. And so do our, our students. And, and maybe I'll pause for breath in a second here before we go off in this direction. Um, but we need to be mindful that when we do put our students in an online learning environment, our students have been trained, not just by us, but by the K-12 system mm-hmm. to arrive at school and sit in neat rows and speak when they're told that they can speak and listen when they need to listen. So we also need to, I I mean, this is this piece that you spoke about early on, Chad, about behaviorism. You know, when you've been shaped by a behaviorist model to conform, and we know we need rules, we can't have people driving on both the left and the right-hand side of the road. That's a good example of why we need behaviorism. (laughs) But we also need to now empower our learners yes that they're not you know their role has changed too and i think that's tricky and i think that's why the first few weeks are always very tricky on the online learning environment yeah they're going to push back and it's going to be uncomfortable for everybody but i guess that's why we need to put on the the face that this is going to be different this is going to change it's going to be a little uncomfortable at the beginning, but like everything, you're going to get used to it. And it's going to be actually, and I, I've already said this, I put out a video to my class that's starting on Monday, that this is going to be amazing. I think we can do something really, really cool here with this online environment. So just getting the, letting them understand that it's not going to be their quote unquote normal, but it can normal. Maybe it's going to be better than that. And so, yeah. Anyways, I'm going to take a breath now too. Yeah. Finally. Cheapers. Oh. <laughs> That was only 38 minutes of a rant. That's fine. I was just ready to go make some popcorn. <laughs> All right. My turn. Um, all good stuff. 
really good. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm loving the pushback against the industrial educational complex, right? Where it's just come sit down, listen to what I have to say. Um, and, and I, and I like the, the framework that you use chat or that read, watch, do show. It reminds me of a framework that I sometimes use and we'll probably go back to more now called hook, look, book, took. And so the hook being the problem-based learning idea that we, we introduce some kind of problem to the, to the class. Um, and we don't give them the solution right away. So we, we introduce a problem, whether it's a case study or, you know, a troubleshooting scenario or, you know, somebody's hair, they tried to do it at home and now they've come to us and we've got to fix it. Right. So some kind of problem. And then the look part is the concept. So keying in on that one concept that I want to really focus in on, on that 15, 20 minute face-to-face <clears throat> video lecture piece that that's so important in this new landscape. And then the book is the resources. And that's not just the textbook. That's like what you've mentioned before. That's video. That's TED Talk. That's YouTube. That's that's textbook for sure. Articles that you've that you've given. I've I'm my current one of my current classes right now. I've given them articles to read, and like full on scholarly articles. And and they're like, what? This this is so dry. Yes, it is. But the information's there. And then coaching them through what that, what that looks like when you have to read an article or read some kind of technical document, right? There's, there's going to be a preamble. There's going to be sections at the end that you don't really need to worry about. So that 25-page document really now is only 15, 16 pages, right? And then training them to, to pick out information from that is, is amazing. And then the took part, that's the artifact, right? So that's what they're building that, or that's, that's, Possibly the quizzes. That's possibly some kind of, um, you know, summative feedback exercise. Whether it's, uh, you know, a, a reversing back to the case study and the problem at the beginning and closing the loop and having them walk away with that, or or sending them away into a breakout session and having them work through it and come back and so okay, so what did you build? Those kinds of things. So that that's that's a that's the iteration that I'm going to start going back to. I've been playing around with it a tiny bit with my night school classes and it's, and it's working uh, for the most part. And, uh, and so I, I, I really liked what you had to say there, chat about your read, watch, do and show. And I, I just want to talk a little bit about the performer piece. Cause I, I don't want us to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. And I think I understand what you're saying in the sense that when we first started, we were hired as SMEs. We come with a lot of experience, we come with some stories, and we also come with our knees knocking. Like we, we don't know what to do when we get into that classroom because we haven't had any formal training outside of the provincial instructor's diploma, which quite frankly, some of us are not us, us three, but some people are still in the process of doing, and it's been years since they've started teaching. Um, flip that around to where, you know, people who go into the K to 12 system, they have to go and get a whole bunch of professional training before they can even get into the classroom. So it's, it's an interesting dichotomy for me that way. But I don't know if we need to get rid of the idea of performing to, to the large degree. I think, I think it becomes part of a larger toolbox, right? So we're hired as SMEs and we bring that in and we do learn to perform somewhat and, and it can get overused and it can become dangerous. Um, but I, I'm not sure we need to get rid of it. What I do believe in and what you've taught uh, taught and spoke about so far is the idea of learning to be an educator, right? We're not just training, but we're educating. And then the idea of designing things now, especially now in this new landscape, how are we, how are we putting together our course? Like we've always taught this face-to-face, how are we going to redesign this? So it's most effective, not just for our students or our apprentices, but for us as well. Like Sally, you're talking about, you know, uh, faculty being, being on online or not online, but in the game for 12 hours a day to get ready. You know, uh, some of us would say, okay, I can, I can buy into that for a short term, knowing that I got to do this short sprint to get this stuff done so I can get ready. But, you know, three months of 12 hours a day, six, seven days a week. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, that that's just going to cause a lot of, quite frankly, a a lot of post-traumatic stress syndrome later down the road, right? If we're not already starting to see that. So there's the designer piece. I also think there's a coach and mentor piece and, and that fits into the, the idea of, of letting go of the control, right? L- giving, giving some students agency and giving them some, 
the yes. ability to, to, to begin choosing what they, what they're going to learn. And, and I know in some of our trades, that's really hard to do because it's pretty tight with an outline and tight with the subject matter. Um, but I can, I can't shake this, this one example that I came across where, and, and, and it was a, it was a high school model for sure. Um, so there, there, there's probably going to be some, some discrepancies there between what he was doing and what we can do. But it made me think that surely we can do this. And here's, here's the thing. He created a menu for his students, mm -hmm. right? So he took his class and he broke it down into its components, into its learning objectives. And we know that we're only going to reach 80% of the 100 anyway, right? And he knows that. And he comes out and says that, I think. And he says, so out of the 100, you pick, or out of the 10, you pick eight that you really want to do. Oh, it was brilliant. And he actually set it up like a restaurant menu. Like it was a trifold thing. And they come in and, and so he listed out the outcomes. He listed out the activities. He listed out the, 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 the summative and the formative assessments that he has to do because he's required to do. But he's giving the students a ton of agency in what they want to do because he's, he's fully bought into the idea, which I th think we do as well, that when a student is engaged in that, in that manner, they're learning quotient goes up, right? Their, their, their interaction even with each other goes up because now they're, they're clumping together in like groups, right? And so it, it, it makes me think, surely there's something like that that we can incorporate into what we do. Um, not saying that, okay, we're not going to teach this part of the outline, um, but we're going to have it all available and we're going to make sure that students can really hone in on what they want to learn and the stuff that they don't necessarily need to learn, like they already know, blow through it, do, go through the hoops, get, prove to us that you know this material in, in, the, in the methods that we've set up so that you can spend some time, more time or more concentrated time on that stuff that you really want to learn. Because that's what I found in my classes too, is that students will go, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about, you know, learning all about hydronic heating, but I really don't care about basic drainage and venting because they haven't touched it for three years but they know it's part of our trade. And so, you know, they're going to, they're going to walk through the hoops. But when they, when we get the hydronic heating, that's when they light up. Right. Um, just an example. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I love, I love the idea. And I also wrote down this idea of stealth metacognition, right. Where we're trying to get our students to think about their own learning and starting to build what it means for them to learn, because it's not just about learning in the classroom. It's, I really want my students to learn how to learn outside of the classroom. I really want them to begin to expand their horizons before they become journey persons, right? I just don't want them to become good apprentices. I don't want them to just become good journey persons, people, journey people, persons, whatever. Um, I, I want them to become better people and I want them to think better. I want them to, to interact better. I want them to, to, be, to be more confident in numeracy and document reading, but I also want them to be more confident and soft skills, right? And so uh, this this idea of stealth metacognition, because if we just start throwing these words around, people are going to go, what, 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 right? But when we start building it into what we're doing, that's the stealth piece. And that's beautiful. Yeah. I love it. It's powerful because the, the, the funny thing is, is that when we start doing this, because I've, I've seen this happen in some of my other classes, is that some of the students catch on to what we're doing, but they can't put their finger on it, right? And they go, you know, you, you've been doing this for a couple of weeks now. What's going on here? Like, what are you, what are you, what are you doing with us? And it's like, well, this is what I'm doing. And they're like, that's brilliant. <laughs> I, I've never had anybody push back and go, stop. Right. I, I've always had them say, you know, this, that, that's amazing. I've never thought about it that way before. And I go, yeah, it's because you've sat in an industrial educational complex for your whole life. And now you're in this awesome class and with these awesome students. And and if you labeled that reflection, because I think a lot of the time reflective practice is aimed at metacognition, yeah. then you do get pushback. Yeah. So yeah. stealth yeah. metacognition, yeah. Tim Carr. So, there you go. Uh, as you were uh, are you 
have you more, but otherwise you've given me so many things here. Like I've got notes all over the place. (laughs) Well, it, it fits into the whole idea of curation, right. And being a hunter gatherer of material. Right. And, and I, I look at, you know, our roles as hunter gatherers. Why do we hunt and gather? It's for other people, right? Sure. Sure. We're going to, we're going to take some of that ourselves, but the whole idea of hunting and gathering is to provide. Right. And, and I look at, my role as an educator is one to protect and to provide, right? So I, I protect certain things. I protect the integrity of the course. I protect the integrity of, of education by building it up and, and educating others and expanding horizons and even pushing my own boundaries, right? Um, and, and, and protect students in, in, in different ways, right? Um, but then there's also the provision part. And it's not just providing stuff for my students and going, hey, look what I hunted and gathered for you. It's no, hey, we've arrived at this, this area now and I've given you some tools. Go practice, go have some fun, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then when you come back, we'll talk about what you learned um, and we'll talk about what didn't work. We'll talk about what did work and we'll talk about what you could do differently next time when you run into that situation, right? So what? And, oh, sorry. Oh. Yeah, I think I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Tag, you're in. <laughs> Sorry, Tim. I love that. I love that idea of what you're saying, though, about this stealth metacognition. And, okay, so Chad's is read, watch, do, show. Yep. Tim, what is yours? Hook, look. Hook. Look. Look. Book. And took. <laughs> took, I love it. Okay, so I'm... What I was thinking when you were saying about that, like that point that you made about being a, you know, a purposeful performer, I think that is absolutely brilliant. You've nailed it on the head. You don't need to lose what it was that that piece that you had in the classroom that is equally as valuable online. And I think when you take your hook, look, book and took, Um, is that that purposeful performer needs to come in before the hook. Yeah, yeah. And whether they're a video, whether they're a voiceover, however you do it. And they have to be as well. And this is the piece, Tim, I think you again did beautifully, is the stealth metacognition. If If the performer comes in and performs, everybody will enjoy it. Mm-hmm. If the purposeful performer comes in, they are the stealth metacognition piece because yep. before the hook, they're posing a problem. After the hook, before the look, there has to be another problem and that's the metacognition. So I think I love both of those designs. And then when you punctuate them, I'm borrowing that term from a colleague of mine, Bill Robeson, and when you punctuate those um, those sequences you've got there with your purposeful performer and your stealth metacognition, which comes in those layers of problems, I think you've got it. And and like you said, the book, the resources, like we know that we have this option now, whether they are our own videos, whether they're TED Talks, whether like our colleagues everywhere now are creating these incredible, you know, resources. And I think that was a really valuable message that um, both Chad and Tim, you said about today, we don't need to be making all of this stuff ourselves. Mm -hmm. Now we have this, this opportunity. So yeah, great stuff. Love it. Yeah. like And to go on with that whole hook, I love the, the hook, look, book, took idea. There's a, a guy out there, his name's Mike Wesh, and he does yes. a lot of, like, he went online because he had to and talked about how he didn't want to because he's much like all of us. He loved his interaction with the students. Yeah. So he's got this series on YouTube now that is worth checking out called Teaching Without Walls. Yeah. And he talks about how he's designed, he goes through, walks through how he's designed his online, online course. And one of the things he does is he provides that hook at the beginning of every unit he does a quick video just providing the context, like what yeah. this is about and why this is important. And he loves videography and stuff like that. So of course it's all cinematic and fun, 
but you don't have to, right? You can just put up your, he's like, sometimes it's just me grabbing my camera, going for a walk and just walking and telling them what I think, like two minutes of what, why this is important. Yeah. It's not his camera. It's his cell phone. It's a cell phone. Yeah. Yeah. And so he does that all the time. And yeah. so it's little things like that. And then it provides, he's, he says the students love it because it provides authenticity. It's mm-hmm. not some big production. It's just Mike going out for a quick walk and he does it every, he says, yeah, I could use it every class, but I don't. What mm-hmm. I do is I, for every class, it's a different group of students. So for those different groups of students, they get a different intro. Yeah. And so he says, it takes me three minutes. And then I post it to the, for the week and away we go. And then he does a bunch of other amazing things, which I, yeah. I mean, we yeah. could spend a whole episode. We should get that guy on sometime. Oh, he's already on my list. But uh, oh, He's amazing. Well, he I was know. like teacher of the year in the States. And, but yeah. you watch his videos. He's just so inspiring because it's yeah. all stuff that, and what I find inspiring about him is it's not overly produced stuff that you're like, oh, there's no way I can do that. It's stuff that yeah. you could do right here, right now, like practical things. Yeah, exactly. Um, Tim, you keep mentioning too about the whole, industrial educational machine and how <laughs> like it hasn't changed. I heard this awesome, I think I was sharing with you yesterday and I'll share it with everybody. Now there's this awesome uh, podcast I was listening to and they talk about how if Thomas Jefferson somehow got um, transported in time to right now, he would look at something like the institution of marriage and be like, that is completely different than what I've ever seen before. He would look at at like at um, entertainment, like movies and all that and be absolutely blown away. Restaurants, like he'd be like, what the heck is that? Then you would take him to a college and walk him into a lecture and he'd be like, yep, I recognize that. And like nothing would have changed for him. And that was back in the 1700s. Right. So it's amazing how our, this machine hasn't changed. And then, but like Sally, like you said, last week, this has, unfortunately, it shouldn't have been this that did it, but we're now seeing that these gaps are, are huge and we need to fix the, the machine or needs not necessarily fixing it needs to change because we have tools now that can make it better. What was the name of that podcast, Chad? I can't remember. I'll have to look oh. at I listen to like 80,000 of them a week. It's like, I, know. I don't know. You're a podcast machine. I know. And now, does he ever sleep, Tim? No. Do you know if this man ever <laughs> no. sleeps? Right? He's part cyborg. He doesn't, uh, he's one of those guys that only it's, needs like three hours sleep a day. Oh, yeah. I need more than that. It's the baby that keeps us up. So <laughs> yeah, the baby <laughs> only needs three hours of sleep a day. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Right. So therefore, yeah. dad and mom only get three hours of sleep. Right. Chad, how do you last, do it? Go ahead. One last thing, and then I'm gonna I'll stop talking. Is <laughs> with with us curating, and we've all been we've all been guilty of this as instructors. When you just need a break, what do you do? You you hand out a worksheet, or you you give them busy yeah. work, quote unquote yeah. busy work. In an yeah. online environment, there is no room for busy work. We cannot no. give our students busy work. We have to dial those outcomes and objection objectives in, yeah. and all the worksheets. When you handed out 13 worksheets a day, now hand out two. And just let them dial in on that and let them do their look, their look in their book, right? Like let them do their reading and watching and just don't overload them. Yeah. yeah. And with those workshops, like if you use Tim's lens of this stealth metacognition, look at your 14 that students would not usually have done and take deliberately take questions from yes. them that really my voice is going here. I've been ranting so long. <laughs> Tim's going, yes, yes. Her voice is going, I'm going to get back in there. Um, yeah, I think that we need to be so deliberate about this. And like I keep saying that we've got to present those problems, present them in case studies, scenarios, videos, you know, you name yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And um, it's a, uh, it, we're, we're getting close to the end here and we we're, it just feels like we're ramping up. Have some more drink of that tea, Sally, because that's, you're going to need your voice. But um, so other than, other than, or maybe this is all we need to leave them with, uh, Chad, you, you left us with a, with a great framework, read, watch, do show. Uh, I suggested the hook, look, book and took idea. Um, Sally, you're, 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 you're encouraging us to, to, look at punctuated sequences, right? Uh, that, that, that space in between those pieces of the framework to make sure that we're bridging them correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else that we can offer our listeners that they can go, okay, I'm going to start doing a little bit of that today. Can I just add to that bridging? Don't yeah. see it as, as a, a horizontal. It's got to be progressive. Okay. It's always got to be something that the learner cannot do independently if they already know it 
it's not learning, it's not valuable for them to do. So you've brought them to this place. Now you're posing the next problem. And so it needs to be like a very, very subtle sort of, let's say more of, um, more of a ramp rather than a staircase. (laughs) Sure. That's awesome. I like that. The How progressive, really progressive punctuated sequencing. That's uh, it's almost like a Vygotsky thing. So instead of PPE, it's PPS. <laughs> the Ed Surge podcast, Tim. The Ed Surge podcast. Ed Surge podcast. Yes. Okay. What a forgotten instructional fad from the 70s reveal about teaching. It was a great episode. Okay. I'll try to get that into the uh, mystical show notes. They're not mystical anymore. Your show notes are bang on. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. love them. Good. All right. Any last thoughts before we uh, say goodbye? Well, my well, last it... thought is this cannot be an hour. That cannot be an hour <laughs> yeah? that we have. Like, are you just like fast forwarding the the, the clock here, Tim? <laughs> that's right. No, no, no. We it's got been... into that flow state with that Mikhail Chikensky guy. He's mm-hmm. right. It's mm-hmm. it's true. It's very true. And I think that's why people are really loving the episodes that we're putting together here because... Um, it's just it's just jam packed and it's conversational and people are loving the way that we banter back and forth the three of us and, um, and Chad you, you you said it too I think on a tweet uh, a hairdresser plumber and electrician walk into a podcast look what happens <laughs> so it's, um, yeah no pauses well I know we can, we can we, we can we can light the place up and uh, provide some water and hey we can make you look good too so it's all good all good all right. Well, I think this this will cut us off for this episode. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Thanks, Chad and Sally. We're gonna have to keep doing this, you know, because people. Are I think it. so. I love think so. Fridays. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So yeah. does Tim. Always, well, <laughs> I won't say anything. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. Take okay. care.